0: Welcome to the Modern Law Revolution podcast sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association. I'm your co-host, J.P. Box. I'm a lawyer turned entrepreneur, consultant, and author and have the pleasure of serving as the current chair of the Modern Law Practice Initiative at the Bar
1: Association. And I am the other co-host, Erica Holmes, founder of E.L. Holmes Legal Solutions, a modern law practice focusing on family law and attorney ethics and regulation. And I am the past chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative.
0: Well, in our inaugural episode, we talked a lot about modern representation, you as the exemplar of a modern lawyer. Um, To give everyone a refresher, what is
1: modern representation in a nutshell? most nutshell version that we've come up with is modern representation expands access to affordable legal services through innovative, client-driven, and cost-effective legal strategies that empower lawyers to build thriving law practices. And in the last episode, we took a deep dive into the four pillars of modern representation, those four pillars being empowerment, focus, technology, and value. And
0: today we have a real treat. We're going to dive into one of those pillars, technology with two very tech-savvy modern lawyers. And we're really going to look at how we can implement technology into our day-to-day practice that makes it a lot more productive, more streamlined, more efficient, and also makes the experience better for customers, our clients, as well.
1: So our plan for today is um, to introduce our wonderful tech-savvy goddesses and gods um, and um, let them... give the, you their knowledge.
0: Yes. So we have uh, Lauren Lester, who is a past chair of the Modern Law Practice Initiative. And she's the founder of Lester Law, a law firm focused on family law. And joining her is uh, now they're tech gods and goddesses. So we have Marty Champagne, uh, who is the tech god of this segment. Um, and he practices business litigation and represents small to medium-sized businesses and trials and state courts, federal courts, from Denver, Colorado, all the way to Tampa, Florida. So Marty and Lauren will take us on this tech journey today and provide a lot of great tips for how lawyers can implement technology in their practice and how it just improves the entire experience for our clients as
2: well. So let's hear it from Marty and Lauren. Welcome, guys. Thanks, JP. This is Marty Champagne.
3: And Lauren Lester, we are really excited to be here today to talk about one of our favorite topics: tech in the legal space.
2: That's right. Uh, Lauren and I teleported here for our, our podcast, and we're really excited to talk about our tech tools that we use in our firm.
3: Yes, I, I as a solo practitioner, one of the reasons I love tech so much um, is I I love the innovation of it and how it changes all the time. But what really helps me in my practice is the fact that it it solves problems that I'm having most. Uh, go around efficiency. Um, and so one of the things I absolutely hate doing is the same task over and over again and it taking the same amount of time. I don't know about you, Marty, but it's a thorn in my side.
2: Yeah, exactly. I have a, a part-time paralegal I use and I try to make um, our systems consistent. And when we send out, for instance, an email to a client, we want it to be consistent and uh, I don't want spelling mistakes and I don't want... Um, to mess up just generic things, because I think it it makes us look unprofessional. And if we can save a lot of time while we do it, I think it's a fantastic way to um, just maximize your practice.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I have a, a part-time assistant, but it's mostly just me doing these things. And when I send emails out to clients, I hate sending the same one over and over again and having to retype it. And what did I say last time? And did I like this wording? And so having tech that allows me to just hit a couple keystrokes and fill in the exact same email is fantastic. So, is there something you use that works good for you? I,
2: I think one of the things I discovered about a year ago that's one of my favorite tech tools is called Text Expander. And so, what this does is you can program uh, Text Expander to blurt out um, a series of sentences or text or paragraph with an abbreviation. And so, a perfect example is that when I have a client come in, um, I send them a, a form email. And the email will say the date and the time and where it is um, and how to get there and a, and a link to Google Maps. Uh, what Text Expander does is I can press two buttons and I have XI and it pops up an email and then it prompts me to put their name in and prompts me to put their date in the date of the appointment in and then I send it out that takes me about 5 seconds um, I don't mess up the directions I don't mess up the links it's professional I don't have people calling the office saying hey you said this was supposed to be this date because I typed something in wrong and so I use it for for uh, emails I also use it I actually have drafted complaints with it where I can plug in you know the names and the facts and I can just Press um, a button, um, an abbreviation, and it'll it'll blow out a p- complaint, and it saves me a ton of time. And uh, it's extraordinarily consistent and makes us look much more professional in a, in a bigger firm than I am.
3: Yes. No. And this was actually a tool that I didn't know about and Marty told me about the other week and now I'm obsessed with it too. And my favorite thing about it, I think, is that you can use it across different platforms on your computer. Because I would used to have a Word document that would have the template in it. And if I needed it in email, I would copy it into the email. And if I needed it in, say, Chrome... Because because I was doing something in my case management software, I would copy it there, but it was still that, oh, I feel like I'm wasting time doing this. And I didn't have a solution. So when I found out about text expander and the fact that I can hit, like Marty said, two keys on the keyboard and have the same text, go in email, go in Clio, go in hello sign, wherever I need it is just phenomenal. And I feel like I'm whizzing through work now.
2: Yeah, I think it's great. And I, I think it's like $35 a year. I mean, it's, it's a low cost investment. And it'll save you a ton of time and it'll make you consistent and professional. Um, so the, one of the other ones um, that I don't think you use this one, Lauren, but is about meeting transcription.
3: Yes. No, I don't typically have client meetings. I I practice in family law. So while the fact patterns can be very um, dramatic and emotional, they don't tend to be very complicated. Um, So I can usually do a meeting with a client um, where I can sit and have a conversation with them and then sort of transcribe my notes afterwards. But if I didn't or had more complex cases, I think that something would definitely be needed.
2: So my problem is... um... I do not know how to write in cursive. I don't have that ability. I went to Catholic school, but um, I just don't have the ability to do that. So I print. And so it takes me forever and a day when people – a client comes in to print. And what I end up doing is just scribbling things that I can't understand at the end of the meeting. I have no idea what we talked about. I've got like six pages of scribbles. So I found this great app and it's called otter.ai. And um, Lauren asked me if this was the same people that make the uh, the cell phone cases, and it's not. She thought they had advanced uh, quite a bit here, but they haven't. So Otter AI will transcribe a meeting, and it doesn't record it. It's not like your, uh, what you have on your iPhone to record it or drag it naturally speaking. It will actually transcribe the meeting, and it will identify who the speakers are. It will learn who the speakers are. And at the end you have a, a transcript of a meeting which I dump into a memo and I edit it a little bit and then I can kind of go back and see what the facts are and it saved me a ton of time and a ton of worry that because I, I can't read my writing. And they will give you um, – I think it's 600 minutes for free a month which is more than adequate for me. Um, but you can subscribe to um, a higher level, and it's just like changed my life. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse than having to call a client back a few hours later saying I can't read my writing and I don't remember what word you said. So, Otter AI is is definitely one of my favorites.
3: And it allows you, when you're having meetings with clients, to actually engage and be present in the meeting, which just enhances the client experience, right? Because you're not worried about constantly looking down at your paper to take notes or, oh, I have to remember that really important fact, but what they're telling me is really emotional, so I don't want to break eye contact right now. Like, you can not worry about any of that and just engage with them.
2: Right. And, and you know, and it's an open surprise. I mean, you, you definitely want to tell your clients you're doing this before you start r- recording the meeting. Um, but everybody's been really – nobody's been like, why are you doing that? You know, everybody's been very receptive to it and I explain – you know, and it gets me to explain my story about how I don't know how to do penmanship and, and I can't write. So, um, so it's really helpful for that.
3: And how do you find – Those notes later on, because I'm assuming once you've done this a couple hundred times, you have very big, long memos. And if you want to go back and go, oh, what case was that where the facts were similar? Do you have something that you can search
2: Sure. So my other problem, this this podcast is becoming all about my problems or at least my technologically technologically related problems, you know. Um, So one of my other problems is I just like lose things, right? And so I can't find things. I forget how I name things and I don't know where they are on my computer. So there's a great app and it's called Huda Spot. And I just started using this recently and it's Huda, uh, H-O-U-D-A-H, Spot, and that's for the Mac. And it's a really in-depth search app. And what it does is if I'm looking for – let's say I'm looking for something uh, non-compete, which I do a lot of that. Um, I can put non-compete in to the search. It will bring up every document, every PDF, every Word document, anything that has non-compete. And I can also – um, narrow that search down. If I say, okay, I did a, non, a, a memo on a non-compete issue within the last three weeks, I can narrow it down to within the last three weeks and it will just pick up those documents. And so it's much more um, powerful than the search capability on the Mac or the PC that's built in, because what this does is it actually goes inside the documents and it goes gets really granular. And um it pulls up, and sometimes it pulls up too much. But you can kind of narrow it uh, down in terms of, um, you know, you could say, "I want this term and not this term," and it'll bring it up. And the somebody saying, "Well, I don't have a Mac." Um, there is a PC version of this called uh, Copermic, Copemic. C O P E M um, I C. I don't use a PC, so I don't have any personal experience with that program but it's, a, it's the same thing as HudaSpot in terms of a really powerful search engine for your computer.
3: Yeah, I think if you're looking for something that goes into the documents or if you just have so many documents because you've been practicing for so long, you really need a robust search tool. Who to spot is excellent for that. I personally... <clears throat> Um, use it, it's a search tool, but it's not quite in depth. It really just searches the file name. But what I love about it is, again, it's a quick keystroke. Um, so it's called Alfred. Again, it is just on their Mac. There may be a PC version out there. But what my favorite part is is I click, um, I think, Command Spacebar and the search. Fields pops up and I can just type in really quickly either an application I need to open. So Excel, hit enter and it opens. Or if I'm looking for a notice of hearing, I can type that in. It'll bring up the last couple that I have opened. So it's a little bit more of a recency search. But what I love is I don't then have to open my finder window and dig into the folders and go three levels deep because I know exactly where it is. I just don't want to spend 15 seconds to find it. So again, these are little things that sometimes when you look at how long. It really takes you, it doesn't seem like that much time, but as it adds up 15 seconds over the course of a day for a hundred different tasks actually takes a long time. So if you could cut that down to two seconds, you're saving a ton of time.
2: Um, Yeah. I'm sure we can all relate to like sitting at your computer and just going through file after file for something that you know exists there, but you don't remember how you named it or where you put it. And uh, something like this will just like... It's a lifesaver. It'll just cut down on that, that needless kind of time, especially if you're, you know, a solo and um, you know, your 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 time is is even more valuable, you know what I mean? Because it's just you. So
3: absolutely. Yeah. And we have a lot of stuff to do, right? Right. So we probably need a task manager. So what do you use, Marty?
2: Okay, so here's the thing. I have I read Getting Things Done. Um, I've read that book like six times and I never understood it, right? But I just finally figured it out like within the last year. You know, I'm turning 50, so I just – maybe I'm more mature and I can understand it. So I finally figured out getting things done. It's not a very exciting or interesting book. I mean they're not going to turn it into a movie or anything like that anytime soon. But it really does help you um, with your productivity and kind of arranging your day, what you need to do. And the point of getting things done is to get things out of your brain and onto a computer or a piece of paper so it's you can use your, your brain space for creative thinking or for actual work instead of thinking of things you have to do. So I went through um, – this was a long process um, and I went through a lot of different apps and programs to implement getting things done. And so I finally, within the last couple of months, landed on a program called Workflowy, and um, it's an app that goes on your phone, it goes on your computer, goes on your iPad, PC, or Mac, and it's just really easy to use in terms of kind of setting up the different components of getting things done. Um, and it has uh, so, and when you get done with like a task, it has a thing where you can kind of check mark it, and then it'll cross it off. And it's just like I get this real feeling of accomplishment when I do that, and um, and it's it it kind of um, it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Like like I use it even more because I like the program, and it's so easy. It's not something that's difficult to figure out. I tried to use Notion; it was really hard to figure out, uh, but Workflowy is just really easy. Um, quick to use. And um, I'd really recommend it to anybody who's trying to implement a a getting things done type system or any kind of tasks that you want to kind of put out there.
3: And sometimes there's a lot of trial and error. So Marty and I obviously love this stuff. and, And the trial and error is sometimes fun and part of the process. But if you are looking for Uh, something direct, talking with other folks, asking them what they like about the particular software that they're using, why they like it to see if it would work for you might cut down on a little bit of that frustration if you don't want to deal with trying 10 different task management softwares to find something that will work. Uh, But you do need to recognize what's going to be important to you. So for me, I I, I love tasks. I love checking things off. That gives me that dopamine rush as well. And I have sort of two different managers, which I don't love, but right now is the only way I can get it to work. And one is for my caseload. So each case I can put a task list in. That's a template. It takes one click. It puts all the tasks that I need. That way I can know I'm staying on top of my cases when I need to follow up with people. Nothing gets caught in the weeds where two weeks go by and I think, oh shoot, I didn't follow up with that person. I don't ever want to have that moment. And then I have a sort of more personal and um, internal work task list um, that's outside of my case management software. So I use Asana for the personal internal work. Um, I like the way that it's organized. I like that I can create different projects so that I can visually see if I want to work on the firm. I can just look at the tasks that are just for the firm. If I have personal things to do, I can just focus on those. It allows for repeating tasks. If you have something that maybe you have to do every month or every week, even every quarter. Um, And I like that uh, you can create um, templates again. So if I have something where Every new project or every new case is going to have the same 10 tasks. I'm not reinventing the wheel every time. But you do have to find something that works for you, uh, and that probably can go on your phone or on your tablet or on your desktop so that it's not just in one place and you're wondering, oh, what was that other thing I had to do today when you're away from the office?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's really important to understand is that all of these tech tips, I mean, they have to work for you, you know, and they might not work for you. Something else might work for you. Um, But, you know, I have a a rule that uh, like when I'm reading a book, if the first three chapters don't grab me like life's too short. I don't read the rest of it. So don't spend your time like I did. I spent I honestly spent months trying to figure out Notion and it was like so complicated. But I was like, man, this would be really cool if I could get it to work. But, you know, after spending countless hours on it, I was like, this is never going to work. So you have to really pick um, a tech tool that it that you're comfortable with so you'll use it um, and not try to put like a square peg in a round hole or or whatever that is to um, to make something work that's just not going to work for you every day
3: absolutely Now, Marty, you said you have a part-time paralegal, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a part-time assistant who works with me. So we have pretty small teams. It's mostly just us. So it's easier to manage. But do you use anything with your paralegal to communicate with her outside of email?
2: Um, I I don't really. (laughs) So that was a great lead in. But um, if I had a bigger um a, a bigger uh, – more people that worked in, in my firm with me, um, I would use something like Slack, which is a really – I'm a part of a couple of uh, groups that use Slack to communicate. And what Slack is, it's a centralized um, communication tool that is an app, and you can put in different categories. And for instance, I am a member of um, a mastermind group with a bunch of other lawyers. And they break down these Slack channels by things like marketing, advertising, uh, insurance. And in those categories are uh, discussions. And the, the good thing about it is it's not – you're not getting a list served kind of email every day where it just goes on and on and on. And it's hard to follow that. Um, and it's also hard to keep that, that email. The good thing about Slack is that um, it's there forever, and you can kind of go back and search. And so, for instance, I was looking for um, a new malpractice carrier, and I just typed in malpractice, and it brought up um, some really some, some some good recommendations from people in my group um, for a good malpractice carrier. So that's a really great resource because you can kind of go back and it's uh, and see the history. Um, And use it as a resource as well because, you know, it's okay. We had our, you know, I had the keys, I had the lock rekeyed in my office. Who was that? And and I can kind of go, you can kind of go back and search for um, through that Slack channel if there was some type of communication. So I think Slack, and it's really easy to use. Right.
3: Yeah, I love Slack. Um, I, I use it in my practice. I'm just starting to use it because, quite frankly, I I hate email. I don't know anybody who loves email. It's kind of a necessary evil. Um, I see it as other people's to do list for me, so I try and stay out of it as much as possible so I can actually feel productive. But that's right now how my assist- assistant and I would communicate is through email, and then I would forget if I sent her something or I'm trying to make it easier for her to do her job well. So. Being able to give her all of the background on a case, I sometimes find myself redoing it every time because it's been a couple weeks since we've talked about it. Whereas if we had it in Slack or in a more centralized location, she could easily do that research, have it there. Um, And then quite frankly, if I brought anybody else on board, like you said, all of that history is there. It's not like, oh, it's in the old assistant's email. Go search for it. Good luck. I'll see you in two hours. You really want something that kind of stands the test of time that Anyone can use and and any new employee can use and actually find it really resourceful. Right. Yeah. It's perfect. Marty, tell us about your birthday. Where were you?
2: So this weekend I was in Florida. I turned 50. Um, and I actually have – Here's this is a non-tech tip, but if you don't have a Chase uh, Southwest Airlines Visa card, like you need to get one of these because you like rack up these points. I have it for my business. I have it for my personal. And I have – I probably get like six to eight free round-trip tickets a year, and my niece is coming out next week and, I, and her friend, and I just – you know, it's like having your own private plane because you rack up all these Southwest Airlines points. So I also, but one of the things I love is TripIt, and TripIt is an app that you put on your phone, and when you get, you know, when you get a, um, you get an email for your car rental, and you get an email for your hotel rental, and you get an email for your uh, plane ticket, and then you see like the people at the airport with like a bunch of papers, and they're shuffling through it trying to find their airline ticket. They're
3: always in front of you in line. They are somehow
2: exactly. And so um, – so I, and I'm not – I'm just not good with pieces of paper. I'm very bad with pieces of paper. I lose pieces of paper. And um, so TripIt is – so it goes on your phone and all you do when you get an email from um, Southwest or you get an f- email from your hotel, you just forward it to TripIt and it automatically puts it into the app and then you have an itinerary of like your flight, your car rental, and your uh, hotel, and it's all there in one. And I can delete everything else. I know where it is. And I don't have to worry about it. And it's just the, it's a, it's a it's it's a lifesaver. And then the other thing is, if you get the um, the upgraded one for fifty dollars a year, they will tell you. They'll send you an email if your flight goes down, if the price goes down. And this only happened. Not one. the
3: flight itself. Not the Cause flight that itself. That would be a little too late. Well, it would be, yeah, it would
2: be too late. <laughs> that would be too late. And that would be, you know, and that sends it to your relatives that the flight went down, and I, they probably want to hear that from somebody other than TripIt that you're, you know, long deceased. But it will tell you if the price of your flight went down, and it'll send you an email. And so if you're like Southwest, where you can just rebook it, and there's no rebooking fee, um, and it's that's happened to me um, at least a couple of times where I rebooked it and saved like a hundred dollars on on the flight. And so that's like an added bonus of TripIt if you get the, um, the the $50 a month, a $50 a year thing. But if you travel, you have to have TripIt.
3: Yes. My um, husband loves this. Um, we also have a two-year-old. So unlike Marty, we are not booking six free flights a year because <laughs> we're traveling so much. That sounds really luxurious, maybe one day. Um, but what I do... Um, have to deal with a lot similar to traveling is scheduling and oh, yeah. figuring out when I can fit things in with sort of my growing family and law practice and life and everything else. And one thing I absolutely hate is the back and forth by email, of course, with trying to schedule something. Um, so what I have recently implemented in my practice is a couple of different Tools One, to help clients or actually potential clients schedule a consult with me right on the website. I've had a couple of folks who I've talked to tell me that's the reason that they went with my firm or even scheduled a consultation was they could get an immediate sense of gratification. gratification um, where they had something on their calendar as soon as they went on the website, the the stories of folks who have called other law firms and maybe they get a call back and maybe it's two days later and then they're playing phone tag. That's not a great for the client experience. Um, so be, having potential clients and even, existing clients, be able to schedule something with you immediately, um, I've really found has been really beneficial. I'm not dealing with the back and forth. I'm not looking at my calendar. These tools already integrate with my calendar, so I have no worry about getting overbooked. And then one that I really love, just because it's super cool and people think that I have an extra assistant um, is called x.ai, the letter x.ai. And what that does is you set up an account and say, Marty emailed me and said, Hey, Lauren, let's get some coffee and talk about all these fun tech things that we're using. Um, I could either send Marty to my link and say, here's my calendar of availability, click on something that works for you. Or if I wanted to be a little bit more um, conversational or just seem a little bit more cool, maybe I could send him back email and CC this particular email address that is associated with this feature or this tool, and say, hey, Amy, can you schedule coffee for Marty and I sometime in March? And then the AI, which is the Amy, would take over and start emailing Marty and asking him, hey, here's Lauren's availability. Does these work for you? How about this location? And it's been so cool. And and I'm amazed at the technology so much so that folks have come to me and been like, wow, I didn't realize you got an assistant. Amy, she's so great. She was great scheduling that coffee. And then I have to tell them that Amy is a robot, but I feel super cool. Like we said, we teleported here, right? Right. Um, tech can really help you um, does, just save time.
2: I mean, how does Amy feel when you call her a robot, though?
3: I don't know. I haven't asked her. I <laughs> okay. probably maybe virtual assistant okay. is more that's, PC.
2: I think that's more politically okay. correct. I'll
3: start. So sorry, Amy. So
2: the the program that I use for the calendaring as well is Acuity, and I, the other one there is it was is Calendly as well. Is, is the same uh, different company. And so this has changed my practice. So I implemented this um, about eight months ago. There's a link on my website where a client can – a potential client can schedule a phone call with me, and I, I'll talk to somebody for free for 15 minutes. And um, they uh, – so they go in. They pick a date that's available, and they click on it. They put in their phone number, their email, what their problem is. Um, it's It puts it on my calendar, and it, it, it clears – it on you know what's available on my calendar, it sends them a confirmation email so they feel like you know they're not just out there in the you know out there in the blue and not sure anybody's going to call them back, and it also uh, you can set it up so they get another email a couple hours before um, the the consult. So when I first set this up, I thought okay, there's going to be like a lot of wackadoodles who are going to come to my website. And it's going to be these people who don't want to pay their taxes. and there's no such thing as the 16th Amendment. I don't want to, have to pay my taxes and all the crazy people. And surprisingly, I have not had one crazy person sign up. And so it's there's something about putting your name in there and scheduling it that only legitimate people will do. So if you're really crazy, they really won't do it, you know. And what is also interesting is I actually got a client from England um, on a franchise dispute. And the problem was they are, I think, six or eight hours ahead or behind us or whatever it is. So, it, and it was a big deal for him to pick up the phone and call firms because it's just not, it's still not that easy to do that. And plus, with the time difference, and when he got back, you know, from work at the end of the day, um, you know, everything was it was midnight here. So he actually um, scheduled a an appointment on on acuity with me, and he actually was became a paying client. And, um, and actually a pretty good client. And so that worked out fantastic. And then the other thing I think what is, is a lot of people, I think, um, wake up in the middle of the night and like, man, I've got to take care of this problem. <laughs> right? Yes. I want to get this out of my mind. And there's no law firms that are going to answer the phone at 3 a.m. But if you are um, – you know, you have a business litigation problem and you're in Denver or in Tampa, Florida – um, you can go to my website and you can schedule an appointment um, through the calendar at 3 a.m. I mean, you, I'm not going to call you at 3 a.m., but it's going to happen later during that day. Um, and I'll do the same. You know, sometimes I have some available on the same day, and it saves so much time in the back and forth, and it kind of empowers the clients. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, I mean, I, that that has been a game changer for me. And I, I think if um, if you have a you want to have a client centered uh, practice, that you need to do that.
3: Yes and from from the jump from the first contact that they have with you you're already showing them that you're thinking about their needs and it works really great for you cuz you're not getting double booked do you use the feature in acuity where you can set limits on the types either the types of calls or meetings per day per week so that you don't get say, 15 consults in a day?
2: I do, absolutely. I mean, I, I generally limit it to two consults a day, and I also put them towards the end of the day so I can kind of control my schedule so it's just not popping up. Um, so it gives you a lot of control like that. And the other thing I, I didn't mention is I have a a service that answers my phone, and um, I tell them, I say, listen, if it's if it's in something that looks like I'm going to do, go to my Acuity calendar and schedule that. So that stops the back and forth. And, you know, when a client calls, they want... They want They don't necessarily want their problem solved right away, but they want to know somebody's on it and somebody cares. And people are impressed when they get uh, an immediate response and an immediate ability to communicate with you because that also tells them that that's how your relationship's going to be when they become a paying client. And, um, you know, this isn't the 1850s anymore. You know what I mean? We need to be responsive as lawyers uh, because – you know, people expect that, you know, we've got, you know, Amazon Prime and next day delivery, people kind of expect that from their lawyers. One click, right?
3: One click to buy something. Yeah, putting the client first is critical. And I think that initial contact and the next several steps is really important for laying a foundation of what it's like to work with your practice. And so having some sort of tool in place that allows you to do that seamlessly or with very little effort that is done in a way that the client really receives a lot of value is critical. So having some sort of CRM or client relationship manager tool I think is necessary in probably all law firms. There are certainly some costly ones out there. There are ways to do it on the less expensive side, but having a, like Marty said in the beginning, a systematic approach so that it's consistent, everyone gets the same um, communication, the process is the same. You really create your brand with these tools. Um, And so for CRMs, I personally use um, Clio Grow, uh, which I... I like, uh, because it integrates with Clio, that's one of the biggest selling points to me. So when someone does become a client, I can easily transfer them over, but I really love that I can send those reminder emails. Like Marty was saying, they get it right before their consultation. I have very little no shows. I can send them schedule follow-up emails. I don't even have to think about. So I look really responsive, which is what I want to be, but I'm not spending extra time to do that. And when my assistant is helping me with this process, I can easily see where she is at, what she has done, I can pick up if she's gone one day, or if I need to step in, or if she needs to help out, it's all in one place. So having some sort of management software for leads and what that process looks like from initial contact to getting a client, I think is really important to the client experience.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I, um, I, I was You turned me on to Clio Grow maybe six or seven months ago. Um, and it, it that is something that I, I think you absolutely need um, HubSpot has a free service and I think they'll do up to 1,000 leads, which is probably more than adequate. But the thing I like about Clio Grow, I was tracking my intakes and conversions in, in an Excel spreadsheet. And it just got really unwieldy. Clio Grow um, has it, so you can you can track it. gives gives you a monthly report in terms of conversions. You can figure out where you're getting your leads from. You can put in the the potential value of those leads, um, and you can figure out. And like I was getting, I was getting a lot of these like civil rights, like people in prison who wanted to um, get out of prison. And I don't know where my name was coming from and but I was able to track it back because I used to do civil rights defense a long time ago and I was able to track it back to some obscure website where I was listed on and able to take that off and stop that. And the other thing I like about Clio Grow is you can kind of put together an email campaign um, and you can also, uh, when I send out a client retention letter, they can just sign it. I think it goes through DocuSign or HelloSign. HelloSign. Yep. So they can just sign it online, as opposed to having somebody print it out and, um, uh, you know, sign it and scan it back in or fax if their fax machines still exist. So uh, Clio Grow, Clio Grow is, is really great that way. It's it's inexpensive to use, um, and the thing is, I mean, this is two thousand twenty. And if you're running the firm, you're running your lawyer. I mean, you got to run it like a business. You know what I mean? Absolutely, you, need to,
3: you are a business. You
2: are a business. And even though a lot of lawyers don't want to admit it, it's a business. And you need to track what's coming in, what's going out, and the expectation of the clients is that there's going to be some consistency with with communication. And for my clients, it's usually not like somebody's not going to get like executed or something if I don't make an appearance. It's usually um, some type of uh, some kind some type of a litigation type problem where they don't need to necessarily take action today, but they might need to take action in the future. So I can kind of set up an email campaign and send them, um, you know, like kind of, kind of my tips and tricks for avoiding litigation or preparing for litigation on if I want to do it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. Um, and it's, you know, clients expect that. And, and you know, we we tend to think when a client doesn't call us back, they just don't like us. But I tend to think that they just forgot about us and it's important to be top of mind and this is a way to do that without being – um, you know obnoxious and then they actually appreciate it
3: yeah and- it's adding value which is what the whole thing is about and and marketing in itself is a whole nother podcast and a whole nother discussion but to Marty's point having tools in place that you can actually see the roi on those marketing efforts we are a business right we don't want to be shelling out money for something that's returning one crazy lead a month that's not a good place for us to be so having a CRM tool that actually allows you to give those reports to say, "Wow, this networking event I did really paid off." Or, I've done ten of those and I've gotten one lead. That's really not where I should be spending my time or money is going to be critical for your business going forward.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So I think everybody should have something like that implemented in their system, in, in their firm. And they don't. It, again, it, you don't have to pay. You know, the fifty dollars a month or whatever it is for Clio. There's there's free versions of that. And uh, I would definitely recommend that, uh, that somebody do that, that everybody do that.
3: Yeah. And there's a lot of CRM tools out there in the business space. This is something every small, large, medium business uses. Um, but there are only a handful of ones that have been built specifically for lawyers and legal professionals. So Clio Grow is one. Um, I believe Avo used to have one. They may or may not. Um, so if you want something that's more lawyer focused, check those out. But like Marty said, by all means, check every every option out there because there are definitely some really good free versions too.
2: Right. So Lauren, what do you do in terms of document storage and management? I remember my first job out of law school, we just had huge file cabinets upon file cabinets and um, my office is completely paperless and I bring an iPad to court and maybe I'll print out a couple of things if I'm worried that uh, I need to have it in front of me, but you know, everything is paperless th- th- today and it should be. Um, what 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 types of tools uh, do you use and find helpful in your practice?
3: So I hate paper almost as much as I hate email. So I am the same way. Um, I don't like carrying paper around. Uh, so everything as much as I can have um, is electronic and I use Dropbox for my document management. I like that they're pretty easy to use from my end um, and that they have very high security standards because that's what the industry Expects. So I feel really good about um, their security levels and the encryptions that they use. You do have to pay for those service levels. So I don't think they come with the, with the lowest level um, membership, but Dropbox works great. It integrates with my case management software. Um, it's not the best for the client facing. So usually I have my clients upload any documents they want to share with me through the client management um, tool. I tell them not to send it through email. That is like the worst thing they can do. Uh, But even that case management tool isn't the best. So I'm looking for um, something that's a little easier for the clients to upload documents that's really secure.
2: So I use Dropbox as well cuz it integrates with Clio for for my um, case management and then I can access it everywhere. I was using Dropbox to get uh, documents from clients and I would send them a link and I would say here's the link upload the documents and I will tell you I have some clients that are pretty sophisticated and maybe like half the time they could figure it out and I think part of the problem might be me and it might be that I n- might not be putting the right settings on, and I don't know what it is. But it's like way too confusing. Like life's too short. I don't. I don't know how much longer I have to live. I don't want to deal with this. You're so, 50 now. I am. 50. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, it's just like like death is knocking <laughs> on the door. So, <laughs> so what I have found, and and this is so easy. It's called Ign- Ignite, E G N Y T E, and I think I pay ten dollars a month. And um, what you do is you send a link to somebody and they don't have to put in a password. They don't have to jump through hoops to upload documents. It's, it's a – they can drag and drop the documents to the, to the page. It's customized with my uh, firm logo and it's just like really, really easy for everybody. I can also put um, – when I do my uh, disclosures – I send a link out to the opposing counsel, and I said, "Here's my stuff. And and by the way, the link's gonna expire in thirty days, so get that stuff off. And I have not had anybody have any type of problem with it, including myself. And um, it is just so much easier than Dropbox in terms of getting files from clients. I mean, I also use the the Clio, Um, upload thing for clients and I found that really kind of hokey so Ignite E-G-N-Y-T-E has been um, the best solution and it's so easy to use, easy to figure out and if you're doing um you know, sending documents to opposing counsel or getting documents from clients. I mean, this is the way to go. I mean, anybody can figure it out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that in our time this afternoon on this podcast that we've shown our wonderful listeners that there's so many different areas of our practice that technology can help with, but it's really important that it both work for you as the attorney and then also your client. And and almost in some ways, if it's going to be client facing, it should work for them better because they're at the end of the day, the ones that we're working for. Um, so keep your eyes open. Think about the, the features that you need before jumping into any sort of recommendations or, Googling what task management software is out there because you will get uh, be drinking from the fire hydrant, uh, but asking around or just thinking about what would I like this to do is going to be a good place to start so that you don't get overwhelmed.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I, I would encourage everybody to also, you know, there's a Colorado Bar community uh, emails that go out. And just, you know, if you see a great tech tip um, to, to send that out and let us know because there's so, many, there's so much stuff out there that we don't know. And, you know, it, it literally, literally. I mean, this is, sounds dramatic, but it really changes your life when you have something that will replace all of this, like, time that you, you know, th- to do things that were just tedious and boring, um, and but also to make a great, great client experience. You know what I mean? And that should be our goal as, as lawyers. Absolutely. So I guess that's it, Lauren. We're going to get into our teleport and jetpack or whatever and – Move on to
0: the next Yeah, I'll see thing. you when
3: I see you.
2: All right, Lauren, thanks. Well, Marty and Lauren,
0: that was amazing. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was listening to both of you your firms are very lean, but they're very fast, they're very efficient, they're very productive. And it makes it seem, with all the tech that you've integrated, that you're a lot bigger than your firm might indicate, just based upon what your reach is, how many clients you can interact with. Um, And in my other life as, you know, Merino Wool Children's Apparel, we're a two-person company that operates out of our basement. And yet, you know, we have a broad reach. Um, And I'll talk to vendors sometimes and they'll say, you know, have your operations folks contact us and we'll get this all set up. And I say, I am the operations folks. I'm also the janitor. I do a little of everything. So what you see is what you get here. Um, But my question for you both, and I have this issue in my business sometimes is being stuck in 2013 or 2014 that I'll implement a tech solution. But as you both know, tech is always changing. There are new, more powerful tools that are always coming out. And so what can we look for in terms of, you know, what is the newest and best tech solution that may, you know, really change the way you practice?
3: For me, it's, it's trying not to be married to the how or like what I'm using. And if there's something that I don't love about it, but it works in all the other ways, I still keep my eye open for something else. Um, So I'm never married to something. And it is certainly harder when you've been using something like a case management software to then switch five years down the road. But If it's going to make the experience for your clients better and your life better, I don't see why that investment shouldn't be made. Uh, And I get my updates by hanging out with folks like Marty and just sort of talking with other practitioners, but then also having, quite frankly, a news feed in the tech space outside of legal. And it'll show, oh, this new email client just came out or... Evernote launched a new update and it does all this cool stuff. And I'll just sort of keep my ear out to hear if there's something like, oh, that that might be really interesting or, man, I've been thinking about that problem for the last six months. Maybe this will solve it.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's important to be open to change and open to changing your systems and how you do things and not be wedded to the old way of doing things. A lot of times, you know, the problems that we have are just like really obvious and really right in our face, but we just have been doing it the same way for so long we can't acknowledge it. So, I mean, the things, I, I, I do the same thing in terms of subscribing to kind of news feeds that are more tech-oriented, um, reading magazines that are like wired and things like that, which I like that are more tech-oriented. And in the groups I'm in, I always want to have discussions about tech things. And I think that what's important is to realize that by the time a tech solution gets to the legal field, it's like way too late and it's gonna be overpriced. And there's so many tech solutions out there um, that aren't marketed to the legal field that would be perfect for a small or solo um, firm owner. You know, something like Text Expander, that's not marketed to the legal field. And that's really marketed more towards um, companies that need um, a repetitive and consistent customer service response. So, if we look at ourselves as law firms, as as, as businesses, you know, in twenty twenty that are supposed to f- provide great client services and great client experiences at the same time as doing it efficiently and effectively, um, you'll find you'll see those things. So, open your eyes to it, and don't be say, "Oh, just because it doesn't have a law or legal." Uh, Thing attached to it, don't be afraid of it. Well, thank you guys. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, JP. And if if somebody
0: wants to reach out to you to uh, continue the tech conversation, what's the best way to uh, find you all out in the interwebs?
2: Well, they could schedule an appointment on my website. Now, they can... (laughs) They Immediately. Can, they can. They can. Um, they, can you know, they can They can. reach me. Uh, if you just go to my website, which is champagne-law.com, and that's champagne like the drink or champagne law in Google in Denver, uh, my website will come up and you can shoot me an email or give me a call. And I'd be more than happy to answer anybody's questions or give them some guidance um, because, I mean, we're all in this together. And I think the more we could kind of help each other, the, the better off we'll all be.
3: Yeah, And you can reach me, Lauren, at Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, at mylifelawyer.com. And I also have a blog with my business partner called A Different com, where we talk about things just like tech, because I love it so much. So if you're looking for something that's digestible and not to get overwhelmed, but some maybe ideas in the space, uh, that would be a good place to start. And you can reach me on there as well.
0: Well, thank you, Marty and Lauren, for sharing an inspiring message with us and really showing us how you've implemented technology into
1: your day-to-day practice. And how we can make our lives better doing the same thing. And MLPI wants to make your life better by providing as much value as possible with the Modern Revolution podcast. One way we thought of doing that is to make the podcast interactive. So we are thrilled to announce the launching of the How to Start a Revolution Helpline. If you have any questions for our presenters, um, Lauren, Marty, or anybody in the future, or topics that you would like to have covered in a podcast, just call the Revolution Helpline and leave us a message. We will actually play your question on the next podcast and provide an answer. Make sure to read your name and the name of your firm or organization so everyone knows who their fellow revolutionaries are. Now the phone number is 303-824-5399. That's 303-824-5399. It'll also be posted on the MLPI community page for all of you that can't remember seven numbers off the top of their head. So welcome to the revolution. You've got questions, we've got answers. So that is it for today. Um, I'm Erica Holmes.
0: I'm J.P. Box.
1: And we want to both thank you for joining us for the revolution today with the Modern Law Practice Revolution podcast sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association.